Good morning. I'm excited to be here today. I have a lot to say, and I, I know already that you have the, a great ability to hear and process, so it's going to be a great morning. Let's just read a verse real quick before we get started. It's in 1 Corinthians 9. It says, this is in the message, which isn't a translation word for word of the Bible, but it's a paraphrase. It's somebody's uh, putting in their own words this passage in the Bible, and it says, I didn't take on their way of life. This is Paul talking. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. A lot of what we've been talking about, missional. I've become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saved life. I did all this because of the message. I didn't want to just talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. Thank you, God, for this morning. I pray that that will continue to be more and more become our reality. I got to ask that you would renew our mind and help, help us to think outside the box, just like Paul did, to accomplish your purposes in us and in the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Just thanks to Carissa last week. She she did a great job of talking about putting boundaries and stuff like that and your kids' lives related to media. And it would have been a good message that I could have really applied when about maybe 15 years ago. Um, but I guess, you know, I guess I'll, I'll pull something out there that I could still use when I, Levi was a little kid. And if you know Levi and you know me, you'll understand this. He said, Mom, when I get older, I'm going to be a lot more strict than you are. So, you know... Fortunately, my kids were strict and it worked out, you know, but anyway, I have that most respect for Pastor Jason and Carissa, but today we are going to talk about some really awesome stuff. I'm thrilled to talk about it, but technology, media, lots of people talk about it. We're all living it. We all understand it's changing our society. You don't need me to tell you that. Um, even senior adults are being forced to, to assimilate by getting cell phones, computers, so they can communicate with their grandkids. People are having having to transition to smartphones, even if they don't want to, Mike Lasoli, with their heels dragging, you know, it's like because of the non-smartphone becomes more expensive than the smartphone, you know, they can force you into those contracts. We understand it's a, there's an increasing availability of pornography. It's changing the way kids interact with one another. We understand kids sit at a booth in a restaurant and they all text rather than talk to one another, you know, and that can seem really odd and strange sometimes. There's an increased sense of self, talking about yourself and self-identity and hyper-awareness of self in the, um, in the, you know, just in relatively recent years, the average conversation, you would talk about yourself about 30% of the conversation. And now on average, kids' communication with one another is 90% about the self. And so there's a shift even in the relationships that people have with one another in terms of who it's about. Um, this changed the way we shop, you know, the way we shop for houses, the way we shop for cars. We can already have a decision made before we walk out of our living room. We could, we could Christmas shop 48 hours before Christmas Day on Amazon, get everything you need, free shipping, no tax, and we'll be there by Christmas Day. That's... That is, that is God's will, right? Absolutely. Pastor Raphael, before he goes to a restaurant, he looks at the menu online and he looks at what he wants online. And if he sees something good, he says he's going there or whatever. And he picks out what he's going to eat at the restaurant 
before he gets to the restaurant. Now, I think that there's something very odd about that, and I think he's a little bit on the excessive side, but fortunately, he's got, you know, Victoria to help balance him out because that is messed up, you know? And so anyway, uh, we don't need reference books like encyclopedias. We don't need physical maps. We don't need books. We don't need penmanship. We don't need an alarm clock. We don't need radio, CD, any type of physical uh, audio device of any kind. We don't need television. We don't need standard mail. We don't need checks. Um, we People know constantly where we're at. You know, my kids and I might be someplace totally random, like even out of state, and my son will be like, oh, Fisher's at the zoo. I'm like... How do you know if Fisher's at the zoo? He's like, oh, he just posted a picture of himself and there's a giraffe in the background. And I'm like, who cares, you know, if Fisher's at the zoo? But there's this constant, like, it's very important for everybody to know where you're at at all times, you know? And it's like, if it's 11.59 and you didn't sleep well in your bed and you switch to the couch at 11.59 because the air circulation in your room isn't adequate, then you should definitely post that. <laughs> so, so your friends are aware and they can be informed the next day of how your night of sleep was. All right? So very young kids, kids younger than the age of one, are using iPads, are using iPhones to navigate things. It affects a lot of things cognitively. First of all, it affects their ability to what do they do when they're bored? What do they do when they're exploring things? Their interaction with their mother, their interaction with their siblings. There's a lot of issues there. But actually, it's... um. And they've discovered that the fine motor skills of babies that use iPads and stuff regularly is 50, appears or improves at 51% earlier than children that don't do that. So fine motor skills are like picking up a Cheerio, you know, off the floor, something like that. Gross motor skill would be walking, you know, like using big muscles. So kids that are using iPads and i, you know, phones and stuff like that, they're actually developing fine motor skills before they're developing gross motor skills and language skills, which is super crazy how it's shifting, you know. And um, so anyway, in the in the Western world, well, when I was in the Philippines, kids. Uh, when we were in the, the jungles and the mountains and stuff in the Philippines, there were little kids that were like mountain goats, man. I mean, those kids were running up and down and leaping over rivers with slippery rocks and little narrow tiny sticks that they'd like jump over. And I was just a nervous wreck. I was like afraid I was going to watch a kid die right before my very eyes. But that was a, that was a necessary life skill for those kids. They have to know how to do that. You know, that's a, in the same way that the, the um, advance of technology and the use of all this stuff is becoming for the upcoming generation. And even whether we like it or not, this generation, a necessary life skill, getting mad at it, not liking it, thinking it's really bad will not help us. This is the reality that we're facing in our life. This is our current life condition. So we have to process as believers, how are we then going to live with this life experience, this necessary life experience, not just for us, but for our kids, right? And what they're going to do. So there's a big, you know, thing when my kids, Levi didn't have a cell phone until he was in ninth grade, Sam, eighth grade, 
and sixth grade. And now kids have cell phones when they're like in third grade or something like that. It's just getting younger and younger. The appropriateness of phone use is changing. It used to be that it was inappropriate to use a phone, whether um, you, if you were like in a meeting or something like that, and Carissa would be in super big trouble if she, if she had that rule in her life, right? Even in church, it's like it used to be like, and now we're like, send out your phone and send money, you know, to on PayPal. And, and they're like, if you don't want to look on the screen, then, you know, go on your phone. And by the way, that doesn't, if you pull your phone out then, I am not tricked by that. I know you are not looking at the Bible verse. You are looking at all your notifications because you can look at the screen up here just fine. And I know that. <laughs> so, so just know if you do that, I'm on to you. I'm totally on to you. Okay. But, but that has changed. The need to memorize information is different. We were switching out my kids' phones. We didn't buy one, but we were switching them out at AT&T. And the guy said, well, what's your daughter's phone number? And I was like, I only have three kids, you know. I'm, I didn't know. I did not know my daughter's phone number. I'm so used to just pulling up on the screen and hitting her cute little face, you know, and there, and there rings magically, you know. There's no need for me to know that number. Um, anyway, so it's the need to memorize information. Well, think about how the implications for that related to the Bible, related to worship courses, related to renewing your mind. If you have no pattern in your life of having to memorize any information, there's implications for that in terms of discipleship. The way people become famous has changed. Um, Chance the Rapper, he has not sold a single song. Not a single song. He posted his songs on the SoundCloud or something, and he has won three Grammy Awards without selling a single song. Now, back in the day, you know, I, I knew that the Supremes had the label of Motown Record. You know, and Motown Record took care of the Supremes, okay? And that's how it worked. Well, now it's like you are SoundCloud and some by some miracle, somebody clicks on your YouTube video and thinks it's good. And the next thing you know, you are a billionaire with, you know, a, a, a hundred million followers or whatever. PewDiePie has 55 million subscribers and he takes YouTube videos of himself playing video games. Multi-millionaire. Zoella, 12 million, million subscribers. She has 1 billion views on some of her views. There, now, keep in mind, there are only 7 billion people in the world, you know, and only 50% have the internet. So just whatever. But the point is, is that 1 billion people have either watched or rewatched your videos. And she just vlogs about things like, oh, I think I'm going to go to Walgreens and I'm going to test the peach and the maroon lip, you know, balms to see which smells the best. You know, and people watch that, and she makes a good living at that. That's the world we live in, the weekend. And this guy doesn't even know how to spell his own name, and, and he has 10 million subscribers. You know what I'm saying? It's like, anyway, so this is how people get famous, you know, and, and there's no gatekeepers for information. You know, when I was in college with news, and I would do news and stuff like that, it was like, you had to double check your sources and make sure everything. And now it's like, if Kanye West has an opinion about Russian negotiations, it's like, well, I guess it's true. You know, I guess Kanye West knows about Russian immigration. So I think I'll listen, you know. And in fact, I think I'll send Kanye West to be the diplomat from the United 
United States of America to Russia to solve the problems. You know what I mean? The, the, there's no checks and balances in terms of well, it's a lot of who's popular, who's pretty. I challenge you to find any female YouTuber that has over a million, over a billion views that is not pretty. I challenge you to find one. The, the value, because of all the imaging um, on, on our phones and everything like that, the value of imaging of beauty, success, fame, wealth, and stuff just continues to escalate. The human uh, attention span has decreased in the last decade from 12 seconds to 8 seconds. And goldfish attention span are 9 seconds. So, so our attention span has officially plummeted lower than a goldfish. You know what I'm saying? No wonder, you know, no wonder it's hard for us. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying this is the way it is. You know, this is just the way it is. So then we think about, okay, well, how are we going to, how are people going to stay engaged in a sermon? You know, um, how are people going to stay engaged in a worship service? How are people going to stay engaged in um, praying, you know, hanging out at the altar for 30 minutes? God forbid, right? Um so it's, it's going to become more challenging and it already has become more challenging because of the world that we live in. Um, so there's, uh, the, if my text to my kids are too long, they won't read it. It's like they got text fatigue. Mom, that was too long. I couldn't read it all, you know? And so I'm trying to circumvent that by just sending like 24 short texts. You know, I'll let you know how it goes. That's my current strategy. Um, Anyway. um, Okay, so uh, there's also the shortening uh, at which the events matter in time. You know, I'll say to my kids, I'm like, did you see the guy on America's Got Talent? You know, that was the cab driver that heard it, saw it. When did you see it? Ten minutes ago, you know, old news, you know. Did you, you know, uh, see, what about the 13-year-old singer? Saw it. What about the, the family with the dogs? Saw it. How'd you see it? It's on my feed. And I'm like, what about the police shooting, you know? That was two days ago. Are you kidding? Mom, I already knew about that. It was two days ago. That was such a long time. You know, um, so it's the whole speed at which we process information and have a desire to retain that information has fundamentally changed. Think again about that related to discipleship. The speed at which we attain information, our t- short attention span, and then the f- outflow because of the the uh, oh, uh, the information overload, where the brain's only able to process so much information. You know, unless you're Walt, and then you are able to process a lot more information. But I mean, the um, you only have so much ability to process information, so you're constantly. So say I say something really profound, which I will. Okay. So say something really profound that's going to change your life forever, right? And I say it, well, when you walk out of here, because you won't check your phone while you're in the service, but when you walk out, you might, and then you might get inundated with like 54 updates, you know, um, your sister this, I got to return all these texts and so on and so forth. So here I had the super profound. It was going to change your whole entire life because it was so awesome. And by the time you hit the parking lot, you can't remember what it was. 
right? Not negating, and I'm not mad about that. I'm not negating the fact that, you know, that it was important, but it's a, just a challenge. It's the reality that we face. Um, I'm going to skip over the part of the, talking about Facebook. I want to talk about a couple other things related to online dating. Um, um, and online dating, um, there's, you know, about 5% of relationships right now have our... Um, they say that they started somehow with online dating. And, and if you, if you go to relationships that have started in the last five years, it will be 12. It would be 12% um, of relationships. The stigma about uh, meeting people online has gone a lot lower. And so there's a lot more people active online in terms of finding relationships. I'm not here to say good or bad about that. But what I'm saying is the, um, the ability to find people to date or marry online fundamentally changes that component of our relationships. Because when I was looking for a mate, I looked at school and I looked at church. And those are my options. And I didn't think, you know, oh, I like Walt, but I think there might be a guy in Australia that I might like better than him. Right? Two years into the marriage, man, the Australia guy might have been bad, but there was this one guy from New Zealand that seemed really awesome. Right? The level of disillusionment for people in relationships, for young adults moving into relationships has gotten very high because the, the pool, for lack of a better word, at which the, um, you can pick from a person makes it so, I don't know if they're good enough. I don't know if they're good enough. I don't know if they're good enough. They're good enough. They're good, they're good enough. And also the pressure on you. It's like, what if I didn't subscribe for one more month and I missed the opportunity? You see, fundamentally change, changes the dynamics of dating people and finding a spouse. And after you're married, how satisfied you are, how many questions you have about who you chose and that sort of a thing. Fundamentally shifts the most, most basic relationship that we have in humankind of the family. You know, um, it's expanded our possibilities to the entire world. It's created this idea of a soulmate where we can search literally all over the entire world for a soulmate, rather than saying, you know what, emanate, this is my church. These people have the same theology as me. They grew up the same way. Our parents know one another. And I think that they might be a good pool of people to pick from if I want to date somebody. See how different that is? Pretty different. Okay, how about just the... Um, the access to sexual content. I'm not going to go on and on about this, but um, the first exposure to sexual content is typically around the age of 11. And the big things that's different about this is accessibility, affordability, anonymity. Be basically, and you guys know this, that's why I'm not going to go on and on about it because everybody's talked about this and you get it. And some of you might be experiencing your own life. But say I was going to get pornography before the internet. I would have to go down to Quick Trip. I don't even know if Quick Trip has that stuff, but theoretically, I would go down to Quick Trip and I would buy something. Now, would I do that? No, I would never do that. Why? I'd be afraid somebody is going to see me. All of you. What would you think if I went and I bought pornography? Do you see what I'm saying? Whereas with the internet, it's the anonymity. You can do it. Nobody knows. And it's, it's cheap. Nobody has to, it can be cheap. It can be, it's, 
Well, anyway, that's a loaded word, but anyway, it's very accessible. So um, it's not, and it can be accessed uh, accidentally, which is the problem with kids, with really young kids. You know, it's like you have a YouTube video, and then there's these thumbnails on the side that are all these, like, really inappropriate videos. And, you know, and I said to my kids one time, how do you get all those things off? You know, you're just watching, like, Elevation Worship, you know, and then there's all this, like, you know, and so there's a lot of accidental, and that's often times first exposure kids have to pornography is the accidental interaction but the the main thing is is that it's increasing the sexualized nature of our society um and which also is related to why um people are always pretty that are famous because a society has is becoming increasingly sexualized just because of the access and exposure to pornography so anyway the this ties into um and thanks for hanging with me here this hangs into puberty with with uh, young girls or our kids. The difference between the puberty age has been going like this since the 1800s. But in the last seven years, since the year 2010, the average um, girl has pu- the age of puberty in just like the last seven years has gone down about, let's see, uh, uh, about between one and two years of age to where the puberty rate for an average girl right now is about eight and a half years old to nine and a half years old. Now that's about fourth grade. So now we have our girls hitting puberty in fourth grade. Now the implications of that, and there's a lot of factors scientists believe are into that obesity, but chemicals and hormones in the brain that can be um, that can be uh, stimulated prematurely and can induce early puberty. Now there's a lot of other factors. I don't have time to go into it. But the bottom line is, in the last like seven years, there's been like a decrease in the age of puberty for girls. It's like a really big concern for doctors and scientists um, of around 10 to 15 percent in the age for the onset of puberty. Now, if you compare that to the rising age of people getting married, which for girls is currently, boys have puberty about two years later typically, and theirs is going down as well, but it's still two years difference between boys and girls typically. So when you, but the age of marriage is going up. So the average age of marriage is 26 for girls, 28 for boys. So that means that girls have to remain sexually abstinent for approximately 17 years, 17 years of abstinence. Now, how many of you know 17 years is a very long time? The average onset of, of, uh, of exposure to pornography is at 11. So within two years, after a girl reaches puberty, she's exposed to pornography. And then she is supposed to be abstinent until the age of 26 when she gets married. Up that for boys, two years, it's still the same number of years of how long they're supposed to be abstinent. Um, now, think about that. That is a different challenge. I got married when I was 20 years old. You see what I'm saying? And my age of puberty was older. So I had like this much period of my life where I had to be abstinent sexually, I, even after puberty. These girls have this much period of time. Creates unique challenges to this generation with a, in a discipleship angle. How do we teach 
our kids in a constantly sexualized society that are, that are in sexually bearing ages for at least twice as long as most people in this room to be sexually abstinent. That is remarkable. That is remarkable. So, um, so basically, if you think about that for your own life and your own marriage and you think about our own kids and what they are faced with, I'd say that um, they're doing amazing and we need to be encouraging and guiding and helping and not criticizing, in my opinion. Um, anyway... I didn't intend to say that. I have, I have uh, pictures that I'm not going to have time for of the brain and um, the activations that pornography has in the brain. How about if we just go through them real, real, real quick? Just real, real quick. Just like super lickety split. Okay, the bottom line are, is activation that occurs when you are viewing pornography. The top list is a normal amount of brain versus stimulation for pleasurable activities like food or sex or something like that normally. The bottom is people that are um, heavy, compulsive um, pornography users. Next one. Uh, this is this is heavy drinking. I just had to throw this in because we're talking about the challenges of our of our students. This is if they're trying to learn something new, learn new words or something like that. There's a lot of activation in the brain when you're trying to learn something. Like you guys' brains right now are super active, right? Because you're learning so much. And then this is the brain of a 15 year old that's a heavy drinker trying to learn something. Next one. This is, these are the brains of the same thing of people that smoke marijuana. The bottom line is the activation trying to learn anything. And the one is what is activation in the brain when they're wanting to learn something. And this is the remarkable thing. The bottom, the bottom ones, those are for people that smoke marijuana more than a month ago. More than a month ago. So if you think that people that smoke marijuana sound stupid, you might be right. Because they might literally not be able to be learning stuff. And kids think it's like no big deal, right? Or whatever. So anyway, okay, keep on going. All right. Nice and controversial things. What's going to happen is I'm going to say all the controversial things at the end. And then I'm going to say, goodbye, have a nice day. Go watch all of your, um, what are they? All your notifications. I forget. No. Christ followers. So anyway, so here's what has happened in the context of this with church. Church attendance is lower, not a glad tidings, but just I'm talking in general. They'll say, I listen to the podcast. I can remove the sense of community because once again, remember the structure of social relationships is fundamentally changed. Therefore, young adults and people that are, you know, highly engaged in this way, um, consider relationships within the church fundamentally different. So I don't need to go to a small group. I don't know. to, you know, and so what happens in terms of fakeness in Christianity, oh man, I got to hustle. Uh, fakeness in Christianity is think about what happens on Facebook. See how awesome my hair looks today. You know, my hair is so awesome. I am just a knockout. And then like my meal is like burning over here and I'm like, my hot dogs have like boiled over and everything, you know, and so showing part of ourselves and that's the difficulty in Christian relationships because our spiritual journey is supposed to be our whole lives, right? So your, your spiritual friends, your godly friends are supposed to know that you boil hot dogs and they burn and it's fine. You know, are you going to go to hell for burning hot dogs? Exactly. So burn away. Um, okay. 
um, the, the length of the sermons, the structure of the church, reading the Bible. How long are we going to read the Bible? Um, you know, I can't do it. Patience with the discipleship process. If you are in a discipleship process, sometimes that can take, I mean, it takes our whole life really when you think about it, but, but it can take a while before you really feel change where you feel like I'm thinking differently. I'm not angry all the time. I don't want to do marijuana all the time. I don't just think about sexual images constantly. You know, all that kind of stuff like takes, can take time. Um, to come out of you, but when you, you have this quick uh, eight-second attention span, that's hard to persevere through those types of slow, slow-burning changes in your life and in your spiritual journey. So there's really no reason to waste our energy, channel our energy toward being mad. This is the direction our society is heading. Um, you know, my great-grandpa refused to get in a car. He said those things are death traps, and he was right. The cars are death traps, but the thing was is that cars were there to stay, and his refusal to get in the car didn't change the fact that there were cars, they were being invented, and they were going to be taken over, you know, the world. You understand? So getting mad had no help to him, you know, other than potentially preserving his life, I guess, if you think about that. So rather than all, spending all of our time fighting against the media and the change that society is experiencing and be mad about that, um, we should, it's not even heading towards those change. It has changed. It has changed. We should spend our energy changing our thinking into how we can incorporate media into our lives in such a way that disciples us and gives us the opportunity to be missional in our world. How can we continue to live in a worldview, biblical worldview today with this current reality of the way our world is? How can we be discipled? How can I be discipled? You know what I'm saying in light of that? Um, I'm going to need to have the worship team to come. Maybe by the third service I'll be get through be able to get through my um, whole message. But let's just put up uh, the map of the world. Or like next year, next summer when we do media, I'll speak again. Okay, this is the social networks of the world, okay? And look at how much of the world is covered with use with social networks. And the blue is where the dominant one is Facebook. The orange is China, and that's like controlled by the government. So they do have the internet, and they do have social media, but it's controlled by the government. But a lot of those white places within the 1040 window are not missing countries. They're actually bodies of water, like the Mediterranean Sea and the Black Sea. Can you put the 1040 window up? So this is the reality of a 1040 window. How, how much have we thought about it like this? The access to the Internet, the ability for us to create friendships, even if you're quiet and shy, in the 1040 window. I have a question. How much money do you think, how hard do you think it is to become a missionary in one of the stands, Turkestan, all those places right in that brown area? How much do you think, how, how much money do you think it will cost? Huh? Lots. Lots and lots. How much education? Lots. If you're a felon, you can't get a visa into there, right? If you're, if you're not independently wealthy and you work a tr- quick trip for 10 bucks and you don't have a diploma or if you don't have anything other than friendship in your tool belt, you know, you're not like Miss Smarty Pants degrees or whatever, but you're a good person and you're good at being a friend. What if you have that? Can you Skype, email, social media, 
can meet an international student. I had an idea about Pastor Mark. He's got this thing with, um, with the... Uh, with his end times thing, he's really into end times and he feels like God has given him something. I'm like, maybe he should go on YouTube. Maybe Pastor Mark should go on YouTube. Maybe that is going to be an instrument, you know, and we haven't been thinking that way, right? Thinking a new way, thinking about technology, thinking how we could reach the largest audience. I want to read the Great Commission here. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19 and 20. Then Jesus, this says, therefore, okay, this is Jesus talking. Now, I want you to think of these verses in light of this, in light of this discussion, in light of this discussion, in light of culture, in light of the future, in light of where the world is heading. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Think about that map. Baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. What about, what if, what this generation carries is the potential to fulfill the Great Commission on the earth today? What if this transition into technology and the internet and social media and all that, what if that will become the tool that God uses to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them and that sort of a thing. The mission hasn't changed, but is it possible that the method has? Is it possible that even not just the church, glad tidings was ever, but what about you personally? Is it possible that your mission to disciple has fundamentally changed as a result of the change in culture and you haven't realized it the way that you're going to go about doing it the ideas that god is going to give you how you're going to do it you know even to be discipled and we're going to sing here and i'm almost done the uh here's an example of how for your own personal discipleship if you have a short attention span and You know, when it's someone like me that talks fast, speaks and whatever, and it just goes, you know, or whatever, there's podcasts online and you can actually listen to the message again and you can actually slow down the speed on a podcast and you could listen to it slowly. If you don't remember the sermons ever, 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 what about if you download the podcast every single week and the way you renewed your mind was so instead of this big book that you don't know how to read, what about if every single week you listen to the podcast, maybe every day, maybe while you're showering and getting ready for work and eating breakfast, maybe, I don't know. You know, my grandpa who basically couldn't read every day in the little RV that they lived in, he would sit at that little table and he had a King James Bible open and it had big giant letters and he had a big tape recorder and he had the Bible on cassette. And every single day he'd press play, he'd have his coffee, he would listen to exactly one chapter. He'd follow along like this with his finger. One chapter, get to the end of it, stop. But he did it every single day. I can never, ever remember visiting my grandpa when he did not do that. Very simple man, no education. That's what he did. What about if you did that with podcasts? What about if you re-listened and re-listened to things? What about if you set up on your phone push pay so that you paid your tithe automatically every single week so you didn't chicken out and say, I don't want to pay my tithe. It just happens. And you look in your account and you say, 
shoot, I forgot it was an automatic pay. Out of came. Right? Using technology to help you be discipled and to help you disciple other people. Now, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to, what I want to do is at the end, we're going to all stand if you would. If you're from previous generation, everybody stand please. If you're from a previous generation, we're going to sing this song that everybody should know and the words are familiar. Previous generation, I want you to sing these words speaking into the future and connecting with the younger, younger upcoming generations. If you're in a younger generation, I want you to sing this in faith like the Great Commission. God, you're still Lord. God, you're still reaching the throne we're going to do our thing if you have your phone i want you to put your phone in your hand we're going to surrender our technology to god in this prayer okay you can do it grab your phone if you want sing these words in faith for the great commission come on quick God I thank you that you know the times you know that we would come to this day we thank you that your purposes and your long term plan have not changed just because the world has changed God we ask for a change of mindset a change of heart God I pray for divine ideas about how what this looks like I pray for for business ideas and personal devotional ideas I pray for friendship ideas God I pray that you would transform the way we think from fighting the culture to reaching the culture even in our own lives God I pray for a washing of phones and computers and minds and everything that's been tarnished by the world around God we set that aside we don't dwell on that we will receive your forgiveness in that and God we surrender we surrender again we surrender again our technology what's the most important thing in our life we surrender our phones we surrender what is happening on our phones we surrender every single app we surrender every video that we're watching God thank you that you're powerful enough to work through every single person here no one is exempt God thank you that you're big enough and powerful enough to accomplish your kingdom on the earth thank you that you want to do it through us we love you so much in Jesus name amen for that word you know Carrie quoted from Matthew 28 Jesus said surely I am with you always surely I am with you always wouldn't it be amazing if there was some way every day you could be reminded that Jesus is with you always what if you got a text every day of a scripture or a powerful quote to remind you that Jesus is with you there's a there's a businessman in our church, Gene Forrell. He owns a caulking business. And God gave him a vision to use social media to communicate exactly that, that God is with us always. And every day I get a text on my phone. It's a scripture or it's a powerful quote reminding me that Jesus is with me always. Uh, if you're interested in getting that on your phone, you can go to surelyiamwithyou.com and you can get signed up for that. It's a great tool. Somebody who's not a technical genius said, man, God, how, how do I use media? God gave him a vision. He surrounded himself with a um, bunch of nerds and uh, could understand how to make that happen. Thank God for nerds. If you're a nerd, I thank God for you. If you're a tech, 
I thank God for you. So surelyimwithyou.com if you want to get something like that every day, encouraging word from the Lord. God is good. Prayer workers, if you had come, if you prayed earlier with me and you surrendered your life to God, you put your faith in Jesus, we want you to just take a moment after service. Let one of our prayer workers know. If you'd like prayer today, we're here to pray with you. God bless you. Have a wonderful week.